Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. In San Francisco, I'm Nathan Fox. Ben Olson is taking the week off. Today's episode is going to be me and a student named Ebony from Dallas, Texas. Uh, you can reach me at Nathan at FoxLSAT.com. Let me know if you have any questions, and thanks for listening. So just, I guess, start with a little bit about yourself and um, what uh, kind of things we can help you with. Um, my name is Ebony. I live in Texas. And this will be my third time taking the LSAT, but the last two times I took it, I took it about um, two years ago, in okay. 2012. Okay. And I took it twice, I got a 152 and a 153. And at that point I was like, I guess I'm not going to law school. Um, Wait, hold on a second. Um, okay, so right off the bat, I wanna know, uh, with a 152 and a 153, why did you think you could not go to law school? Because I don't have a good GPA. So I was like, if I don't have a good GPA or a good LSAT score. I don't think that I would be able to afford to go to law school. So um, what's your GPA? It's low. It's like a 2.3. 2.3 GPA. Something like that. It may be lower than that. I don't like to look. It makes me sad. <laughs> What was your major? Where did you go to school? Um, I go to school at University of North Texas. And um, I'm a BAS major, so my three focuses are political science, criminal justice, and dispute resolution. Okay, and you said you're a BAS major? What's that? It's basically like at my school they have this major. It's kind of like build your own degree because they don't have a pre-law program. And so I did the BAS major and I just chose the classes that I felt like would help me in law school. And you're still in school now? Are you graduating uh, this year? I'm graduating next summer. Next summer, so summer of 2015. Yes. Okay. Um, what happened during school that led you to the 2.3? Um, I have a, a learning disability and it was undiagnosed. And even when it got to the point where I was positive that that was what was wrong with me, I couldn't really do anything about it because I couldn't afford to go see a psychiatrist. And then if I could see a psychiatrist, then I couldn't afford the medication. So I didn't have insurance. So it was just kind of like you're just standing there watching yourself fail and you can't do anything about it. Um, yeah, that sounds tough. How, how did you end up figuring out that you do have a learning disability? I mean, if you didn't see a psychiatrist or whatever. Well, I, I recently saw one uh, in July. I just got diagnosed July 23rd. But the way I figured it out was because a friend of mine thought he had it, and he went to a psychiatrist and didn't have it. Okay. So, so talking to him about, he ended up having a, a reading disorder. Um, but just having conversations with him about it, it made me think, well, I might have it. And I started um, reading and looking at lectures and stuff. And I was like, oh, I definitely have this. And, and not only did 
I not know that I had ADHD, but I didn't even know really what ADHD was as far as like, it's not just an attention disorder, it's a brain disorder. Uh-huh. And it's pretty serious. <laughs> and so um, that scared me enough that, uh, that I made it my business to get a better job and get insurance and go see a psychiatrist. I see, so it's diagnosed now. Are you gonna try to get accommodations on the LSAT? Um, I will try, but I don't think I have a good chance of getting accommodations. Okay. How come? Because from what I have heard, if you get above a 150 on the LSAT, the law school admission council, their argument is that you've already received a good score without accommodations. So you don't need to be accommodated. Um, and they also don't like to give accommodations to people who are on medication. Because they think think that the medication would correct for the, the, the disability or the difference? Is that why? I guess that makes sense to me. But um, yeah, that, the Law School Admission Council, just generally speaking, they do not like giving accommodations, period. There are people who have gotten accommodations since elementary school and the, L, the LSAT was the only test that they couldn't get accommodations on. Okay. Um, So do you think you're just not even going to apply then? For accommodations? Yeah. No, I will. I'm just not planning around that because it's a drastically different test with accommodations. And so you don't want to plan for that and then not get it because you absolutely cannot be successful. Because with accommodations, you get 70 minutes per section. Um, Some people, I think, get time and a half and maybe some people get double time. I'm not really an expert on that. Um, really, all the issues that you've brought up so far, or that we've talked about so far, Ebony, with regard to uh, learning disabilities, we'd really have to get like an expert to give you advice on that. Mm-hmm. So um, hopefully, uh, Ben and I can find somebody to talk to, maybe on a future show, about um, that issue specifically. But do you have the paperwork to apply, or do you know what it's gonna what what the process is going to be to to apply? Um, I know about it, but I haven't I haven't got the paperwork. Okay, so there maybe I would be able to give you a little bit of advice, which is that you should for sure apply for that immediately. Um, at the very least, it might take a long time for you to get accommodations, and I would hate for you to just end up not applying or end up applying late or end up applying and having the accommodations not come through in time and then, you know, end up taking the test without accommodations and just saying, oh, I could have got accommodations or maybe I could have got accommodations. Oh, they probably wouldn't have given it to me anyway. Um, you know, you know what I mean? I, I, I would rather just see you get the ball rolling on that right away. Okay. I have had many students who have been approved for accommodations um, it seems as if most of the ones that I know that have gotten approved have gotten denied in the beginning and then had to appeal and then uh, gotten the accommodations. But again, I'm no expert on this. I'm just like, t- that's totally anecdotal and small sample size. So I really couldn't make any conclusions about what their process is okay. about giving accommodations. Um, I know for sure that it takes a while, uh, so I can definitely say get on that right now um, before you do much of anything else so that the ball's rolling, so that the ball's not in your court, because right now it's just in your court, 
Uh, you want to put it in their court as soon as possible. Okay, so you've got previous LSATs on record, 152, 153, and, uh, and a pretty low GPA. You have good reasons uh, for that low GPA. I would definitely think that you could write an addendum to your application explaining the low GPA. Um, I think that could be in very plain language and just say, hey, I didn't have insurance while I was in college, oh, and uh, I had an undiagnosed learning disability. The, I've gotten the diagnosis since after I graduated or you know, near the end of my college career. It would be really great if you could get better grades in your last year. So this yep. last year of school, if you could show them, listen, once I had my ADHD diagnosed, I got a 3.5. Uh, that would be very strong. So I hope that's part of your plan. Yeah, that's the plan. Okay, great. 152, 153 is, in your estimation, how good of a score, LSAT score is that? I think that's like uh, right in the middle. Okay, so that's good. So... My first reaction to, to you when you said 152, 153 and you thought you couldn't go to law school, I, it seems to me that you could definitely go to law school with a 152 and a 153. Probably even with the low GPA, there are some places where you could go to law school. Were you aware of that or did you just think it would be impossible? No, it's just like, I don't feel like I can go to a good law school. I don't feel like I can get a good financial aid package. Okay. When you say financial aid, what exactly do you mean? Like, I don't want to be in $100,000 worth of debt when I graduate from law school. $150,000 maybe would be, or $100,000 would maybe be letting you off easy. Um, <laughs> you know, there are places, uh, I, I certainly graduated with more debt than that from law school. So, um, yeah, that does seem pretty sensible for you to want to try to get some grant money uh, when you go to school rather than paying full price. Um, and I, my guess would be that you're probably right, that with a 152, 153, and a 2.3 GPA, you're probably not going to get lots of scholarship offers, or at least not scholarship offers at, at really great schools. Um, yeah. what, what kind of schools are you, are you thinking about? Do you have like a target kind of zone, kind of range of schools that you would like to get into? Well, the good thing about me is, like, my definition of a good school doesn't really have as much to do with rankings. So I'm free from that, and it's a lot less stressful for me in that way. Okay. Um, one school that I really love is New York Law School. And I like that school because uh, their third year is a clinical year. So you do three, three 10-week clinics, and you don't have class, like, any classes, like classroom classes. Okay. And so it's, it's uh, they follow the medical school model. And I feel like for me, just the, the way that my brain is set up and the, the type of person I am, I feel like that will really fit me well. And especially because I'm not 100% sure what type of law I want to practice, I think that would be very helpful. And okay. then, you know, a lot of people, I don't know that much about this, but I know that a lot of people don't really feel like the third year of law school is practical or beneficial. And so, but when I look at that, I'm like, well, 
I think that that's awesome. And other schools that have programs like that are schools that I probably can't get into. So that sounds like all sounds very sensible. Um, I did not enjoy my third year of law school. I felt like it was over uh, by then. And so I agree that uh, a full clinical year would have been better for me. And it sounds great um, that you're interested in that. What are the numbers for New York Law School? Have you you've looked up their LSAT and GPA ranges? Um, well, I always look at the 25th percentile GPA, and I think theirs is like a 3.1. And then their 75th percentile LSAT is like a 153. 75th percentile LSAT, 153. Yeah. Okay, and 25th percentile LSAT. Oh, you don't, do you know 25th percentile LSAT or median LSAT? 149. 25th percentile is 149? I believe so. So that's a pretty narrow range there. And then on GPA, you said 3.1 was 25th? Yeah. And what, what is 75th there? I don't know. Okay. Um, okay, so then your, your idea is that your candidacy is going to be... Um, you know, yeah, I've got a lower GPA than most everybody here, but I've got a higher LSAT score uh, than most everybody here. Uh, my guess is that if you applied with these numbers, you would get in to New York Law School uh, with, your, with your existing numbers. Yeah, but it is, it's also uh, $49,000 a year. <laughs> right, right. So <laughs> that's, you know, important to remember. Is that just tuition or is that tuition that's and living just expenses? Tuition and it's in and it's in uh, lower Manhattan. Ah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So you are looking for a better LSAT score because you think it will dramatically change your candidacy. Um, and I think you're right. The good news is that 152, 153 is an awful strong place to start from. Um, what, what did you do to get yourself that 152, 153? Okay. Um, I thought I studied, okay. but now that I listen to your podcast and I'm going online and really being serious about it, I realized that I didn't do shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do? Okay. Well, first of all, let me tell you, this is, this was the first statistic I read before I studied. I read a statistic that said only 20% of the people who take the LSAT actually study for it. So in my mind, I was like, Okay, so even if I halfway study, I can do better than most people. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, pretty much halfway study. Um, well, I, I mean, you know, you did do better than most people, or at least you did do better than half of the people, right? 152, 153 is right about the 50th percentile for all test takers. So um, you did get a decent score, or at least you beat half of the competition. Um, you also beat the averages for African-Americans by quite a hefty yeah, margin. <laughs> so that's good for you. I mean, that's fantastic. Um, what resources did you use when you were studying, or how, how, how much did you study? How often did you study? Um, the resources that I used, I didn't buy anything. Okay. Um, I got books from the library at a vocational community college because I knew they wouldn't be written in because nobody's taking the LSAT there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, I used Kaplan 
the Kaplan whatever, it was like four books that came out that year. The most recent Kaplan books was what I used. And I got the book that you get from the LSAC. I got a fee waiver from the LSAC because I'm poor. And if you get the fee waiver, you can also get uh, study materials. So whatever book that they gave me, I don't remember anything from that book, but uh, yeah, mostly I used Kaplan. Okay. Talk about the talk about the fee waiver process a little bit. I think this is something that uh, listeners who, if they don't know about this, they they really could benefit. So why don't you give that? Uh, okay, tip the fee waiver process is kind of funny because uh, I wasn't ex- the law school admission council is serious about everything that they do, and usually when you apply for a fee waiver, you just say, "Hey, I'm poor," and they give it to you. Like they made me give them my student aid report from from FAFSA, which is like, okay, that's not that big of a deal. But then they want your tax returns. And I was a student. I was like, I didn't file taxes because I didn't make enough money. And they, they were like, well, we need a letter from the IRS stating that you didn't file your taxes because you didn't make enough money. And I was like, do they do that? Like, do you just call the IRS? So yeah, I just, I called the IRS and, uh, and they sent me the letter, and I had to send it to the law school admission council. So there's something that I had never even heard of before. I, I guess I would have been under the impression that you have to file taxes no matter what, even if you make zero, that you might have to file a tax return <laughs> that says, I made zero. Um, but apparently... five or $10,000 a year, you don't have to file taxes. Okay. But you can file and get a letter from the IRS. And uh, how long did it take the IRS to turn that letter around? I don't know, but it wasn't enough for me to be nervous or anything. It, it was pretty quick. Okay. And then once you sent that letter to the LSAC, how long did it take to get the accommodations or to get that, uh, to get the fee waiver? Um, I got it pretty quick. It wasn't, uh, it sounds ridiculous, but it didn't take that long. Okay. And what did you get for that fee waiver? For that fee waiver, you get the, the service where they take all of your transcripts and stuff, the Data credential. They used to call it credential assembly service. I'm not sure if that's still what they call it. You get that service for free, which is, that's expensive. And you get to sit for two LSATs. I think you have to use it in two years, I think, because they just sent me an email saying that mine's about to expire. Um, And then you get, I feel like you get a, a... the super prep book, but I feel like there's something else, like another piece of study material that you get. Okay, so credential assembly service, two LSATs, uh, you get the super LSAT super prep book. Uh, you also get some reports um, when you apply to law schools. The credential assembly service has to send reports to each law school. Um, or at least they used to, and the, I remember that the fee waiver gives you also like six of those reports or something like that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, which might be like $12 each. And then here's the big one, uh, Ebony, which people might not understand, is that you you probably will be able to apply to for free to Ab- almost any law school. <laughs> yeah, as soon as you take the LSAT, 
your inbox is going to be harassed by fee waivers from everywhere. Places you know you can't get into. I got fee waivers from like University of Maryland. I was like, I got a 152. Y'all can keep y'all's fee waiver. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you know, I would probably counsel you otherwise, Ebony, when when the time comes. Um, I would probably go ahead and take up a lot of those schools on their offer of can can I apply for free to your school? Um, maybe you don't have an intention of going there now, but they have invited you to apply for free. And if you apply, the worst that could happen is what they. I mean, because if they say no, who cares? You 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 weren't going to apply, so it's not it's not an issue if they say no. But if they say yes, then they give you something to think about. Um, if I do better on the LSAT, then that will that'll determine where I apply. But to me, like at the time, I was like, okay, if a one fifty two is the best that I can do, then I don't need to be at a top ten law school because I'm gonna die. <laughs> I don't I don't want to flunk out of law school. He looks lonely with a bunch of debt because I know I didn't get a scholarship. <laughs> okay, well, I won't try to push too hard on this point, but <laughs> I, I do frequently advise students that if a school is inviting you to apply for free, that really there's not a lot of cost to you to apply. Um, and you might be surprised that they might offer you money, they might offer you access to special programs, um, you never know what could happen, but if you don't even apply, then you know nothing's going to happen. So I might broaden the net just a little bit, um, but especially if you could get the higher LSAT score. Yeah, I mean, if it's a school I like, that's one thing. Like if I was had an opportunity to go to like Georgetown, I like Georgetown. If I had an opportunity to go to Columbia, probably not. <laughs> like. It's a good school, but it just, it does not speak to me. So I don't really, I'm not up to struggling through it, just to say I went to Columbia. Fair enough, fair enough. Sounds like you've done quite a bit of research, which I really like. Um, You know a lot about individual schools. You have schools picked out that you think you would like to go to. You sound fairly serious about this. Um, Do you have some experience working in, I know you studied um, a lot of related topics, but have you, did you actually do any, um, practical work while you were in an undergrad volunteer or anything like that? Um, I did an internship at a law firm. It was a very small firm and they did civil litigation. Okay. And so I did that, but it was one semester. So it's hard to really get into anything in three months. You know what I'm saying? Sure. sure. Cases span years and you get three months of it so it was good but I found when I left every day I wanted to call and be like how's this case going how's this person doing like I didn't get to see that's a good sign I mean it's a good sign that you that you were intrigued that you you didn't just hate every minute of it um I counsel a lot of students who tell a similar story to yours where they say oh I interned for three months and I did um wherever I worked, 
But yeah, but I didn't really like that field of law. I might like some other field of law. Well, I did some things that I didn't like, absolutely. Sure. No, I'm not saying you loved every second of it. There's going to be some bad parts, but it is at least great news to me that you that you cared about the cases. You know, there was something in that work that interested you. Yeah. Cool. So, what's the plan then for increasing your LSAT score? Um, I'm gonna study. It's a good start. <laughs> That's the end. <laughs> Okay. How are you going to study? What's what's your plan? I don't have a plan. That's what I was going to ask you. Um, because before, because I had ADHD. Okay, this is where I, this is where I feel like I am. I feel like you know when people get in a car accident, and they have like to have brain surgery, so then they they can't walk. Well, first you have to fix the brain, and it's like you can walk. You just have to learn all over again. That's where I feel like I am before. When I was studying, I couldn't take anything in because I just physically couldn't because I have a brain disorder. But now that that's fixed, it's still going to take me a while to be able to use my brain fully because I never have before. And so I just feel like I'm in physical therapy studying for the LSAT. <laughs> so um, did you ever say exactly what um, medication you're on? I mean, if you're comfortable with that. Oh. I'm cool. It's like, <laughs> I'm on um, Vyvanse. Okay. And what does that, what does it do? Um, it does a lot. The most important thing that it does is it, uh, it helps with the impulse control. Wow. Which was uh, a really big issue for me. Okay. But it also, it helps you um, pay attention. And the thing that's most Paying attention is, you know, important when you're studying for the LSAT. But the, the thing that's most important that it does that will help me on the LSAT is it helps you with your working memory. Okay. Cause, and that's like, that will kill your LSAT score. Because that's when you read a passage and as soon as you finish reading it, you're like, what happened? <laughs> and you have to read it five times. Yeah. So that, that and then, oh gosh, that was the worst thing. And then the other thing that a lot of people don't know about ADHD is it, it ruins your sense of time. And you, you never know if five minutes have gone by or 15 minutes have gone by. So that's horrible when you're taking the LSAT. So it helps with a lot. Like, I'm very encouraged uh, to know how, much, how many things that I struggled with before that I don't have to struggle with the next time I take it. So are you taking practice tests now? Um... Do you have a study routine? Do you have a study partner? No, I don't. I, well, I won't have a partner because that doesn't, that won't help me because I uh, talk too much and we wouldn't get any work done. Okay. But as far as a schedule, it, I really want to get a schedule and be organized about it, but I don't know. I, I don't know where to start or like what what the best order for me to study in is. Okay. Um, do you have access to practice tests? Yes. Okay. Have you taken one one practice test recently? No. Okay. So here's my recommendation and I actually think that this needs to be the end of our conversation for now because you 
before you do anything else, you need to take a practice test. And um, there's just no getting around that because you need to establish a baseline. I need to know where you are today. I need to know what your strengths are. I need to know what your weaknesses are. I need to know how many you're getting right in each section. And I also need to know how many questions you're attempting in each section uh, so that I can gauge things about, about your tempo, things about just overall strategy on the test, and so that I can give you any advice on how to, uh, how to improve. Okay. So I think that's where we need to start. Um, my assignment for you is to take a test, time yourself. Um, I guess you're probably going to want to time yourself at 35 minutes per section because you're not sure whether you're going to get accommodations or not. Mm -hmm. So time yourself 35 minutes per section. I really don't care if you don't do every section back to back to back. Uh, if you want to just do one 35-minute section here and one 35-minute section there, that's totally fine. I would encourage you, though, to only do those sections when you're feeling up to it. Um, maybe, you know, after a really long day of work might not be the best time. Um, maybe it is, but might not be. So do it when you have some energy and you're, you can really focus and sit down and do it for 35 minutes. And when you're done with all four sections, then I would like to have another conversation to talk about those results and try to make a, a study plan going forward. Okay. That sound good? Sounds good. All right, so uh, it's on you then. Um, I will look forward to hearing back from you with those results. All right, thank you very much. I really appreciate you taking the time. You're welcome, Ebony. I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye. Okay, bye. So I'm looking at your test results here. You want to uh, talk me through it? Uh, okay. On logical reasoning, I got 32 correct. And I missed, one of the things that did make me happy is that most of the ones that I missed were like at the end, which is where the questions tend to get more difficult. So I think like I have a basic understanding of it. I just need to focus a little bit more and practice doing some more difficult questions and then all right hold, hold on just a second ebony first of all what was the um just the total score on this test 152 152 and how does that compare to any previous test that's better right than what the what you've got no it's the same around the same okay um and just what was your best section and what was your worst section my best section was, well, my worst section was games. And all the rest of the sections were pretty much the same. Okay. And it's 32 total correct on logical reasoning, 16 on reading comprehension, and 12 on games? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, great. And again, that's a 152. Okay, so you, you said you have a concern that you're not doing well on the more difficult questions. Yes. Okay, I'm looking at your results here, looking at the two logical reasoning sections, and I can see that on section one, you missed 
number four, and number seven. So two out of the first 10. And then you got everything right up until number 17. So you actually got 14 out of the first 16 correct. That's great. That's, that's really, really good. And did, then did you finish the section? This section, you finished it in time. Is that right? Yeah, I did finish. In this section, I skipped a total of three that I just either I knew I wasn't going to get it or it was going to take me too long. Okay. And which questions were those that you skipped? I skipped um, question seven and I skipped 23 and 24. Okay. I have no problem with skipping 23 and 24. I have a bit of a problem with ever skipping question number seven. Um, you know, you're, you're good. You have a degree of talent that you've built up, Ebony, in, in this test. Um, not too many people can get 14 out of the first 16 correct. So you're on really strong footing. And I would encourage you to um, let that manifest itself by really sticking to the questions, uh, especially the early ones. Because what you ended up doing was spending time on questions like 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, you know, th those are hard questions. They're, they're really hard questions. And I don't have question number seven in front of me, but I would make a wager that there's no way it's nearly as hard as those questions in the late teens and the early 20s. So <clears throat> rather than skip a question that's in the first 10, just so that you can save up time so that you can finish the really hard ones. I would rather see you invest that time earlier in the section and try to get that question number seven, right? Okay. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Okay. And you know, especially because you, you know that you're capable of putting together long strings of correct answers, right? I mean, here you got number eight through number 16, correct. And that's, that's awesome. Um, but, I just wish you would have stuck with um, question number seven. The other thing that concerns me is your miss on question number four. Um, did you did you review that question? I did review that question. Um, did you understand it? I think this question I wrote on the note that I wrote on there was 50-50. So I think that means that I had narrowed it down to the last two and I got it. I got it wrong. Okay, which is but, fine. Uh, let me look at it. Yeah, on this one, I under I think I understood why the correct one was correct when I reviewed it, but um, but I didn't understand why the one that was incorrect that I chose. I don't understand why it wasn't correct. Does that make sense? Yeah, and and you still don't understand it. No. Okay, so I guess then what I would say is that number four. That miss is really important, and the fact that you you missed number four, but you don't yet quite understand why the right answer is right and why the wrong answer is wrong, that should be your number one priority, um, is figuring that out. So I would get a study partner, get uh, a tutor. Um, you and I can talk about it, Ebony, uh, off the air. We're just not allowed to read that question on the podcast because it's an LSAC licensing issue. Um, so we'll talk about it after the show and see if we can correct that. But that question is the one that you really have to learn.
But I did um, go through all the ones that I missed. And I think only, wait, one, two, three. I think there were only three that I didn't, I still, after I reviewed it, I still didn't understand 100%. Okay. And, but those ones, the other ones, I would assume, are like question 17 and later, right? Because you did so well on the beginning of the section. So um, the ones that are later in the section are not the ones that I would spend my time on if I were you. Uh, the, the earlier mistakes that you make are going to be more learnable mistakes. So it's, yeah, it's great to review everything that you miss, but um, at your current level of scoring, 152, I would really be worried about mistakes in the first, say, 15 or maybe the first, say, 20, because the later questions do get quite a bit more difficult, and it's actually harder to understand why the right answers are right and why the wrong answers are wrong. So everyone can benefit the most from patching up mistakes that they're making early in the section. You get, you get that part? I do. Cool. So really focus on the first 10. Definitely, you know, don't skip anything in the first 10. And when you make mistakes in the first 10, those are going to be your biggest opportunities to learn. I'm looking now at the other section. So I guess that was section four. Um, on section four, you got the first five right, which is great. You miss number six, you got the next four right. You miss number 11, you, miss, you got the next four right. And then you miss number 16, and then you missed a bunch, like 17 <laughs> through 23. Um, and there, it also looks like you finished. Is that right? Yes. Okay. I so four in, well, I think I skipped four in this section. You skipped four questions. Which questions were those that you skipped? Um, I skipped number six, but let me, let me defend skipping number six. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, if you look at this, and I'm not exaggerating at all, you can look at it yourself. This question takes up the entire column. Okay. It's like, seriously, from the top of the page to the bottom of the page. It's a whole reading comp section. And I was like, that don't, that don't seem like it's worth it for one point. Okay. Um, and also the content was difficult, was I don't know if it was difficult, but it was like science. It was like confusing. I was like, that's going to take a long time. Um, okay. So I, I, I'm not going to hassle you too much <laughs> about, about that. Um, is it a parallel reasoning question? It is. A matching pattern of reasoning question? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's, that's fine. Um, Long matching pattern of reasoning questions. If you were ever going to skip any kind of a question on the logical reasoning, that's the one to skip. So I, I'm not going uh, to hassle you too much about that. I am, though, just going to kind of generally hassle you with this. Um, you, you attempted every question in the section, but you actually only got two out of the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Three out of the last 11, you got correct. You got two out of the last nine correct. How much time do you think you spent on those last nine questions? Um, I don't know. I think uh, my pacing was pretty even. Okay. So if it was pretty even, then you spent about 90 seconds per question, something like that. I mean, you spent roughly half your time on the second half of the section. So you spent roughly a third of your time on the last one third of the section. Um, so that's like 10 minutes or more that you spent on questions, say, 
16 and beyond. I mean, at least spend at least 10 minutes on questions 16 and beyond. Uh, probably more like 15 minutes on questions 16 and beyond. And you barely got better than you would have if you would have randomly guessed on all of those questions. So, I mean, barely. <laughs> you got you got two out of the last nine correct. So two out of the last 10 would have been random guessing. You got two out of the last nine. You got three out of the last 11. You know, 2.2 out of the last 11 would have been random guessing. You got three. So you got 0.8 points over expected value on the last 10 or 15 minutes that you spent on this section. So basically you got one point. You earned one point in those last 15 minutes. I mean, I know you got three correct, but you would have gotten two just by random guessing. So you earned basically one point in 10 minutes. I think you could have earned that one point by answering question number six. And I think it wouldn't have taken you 11 minutes to answer question number six. And you still would have had time to reach some of those questions that are in the last 10 or 11 questions. I don't think you would have had to randomly guess on all of them, but even if you did randomly guess on all of them, it hardly would have cost you anything. This is a hard principle for people to accept, but do you, do you get it? No, I get what you're saying. And I feel like this is valid if we assume that I cannot get these correct. Like I won't get better. This is my accuracy and this is where I'm at. So just don't even try. No, that's not what I'm saying, though, Ebony. I'm not, I'm not at all saying that you won't eventually get to some or all of these questions. What I am saying is the way that you're going to be able to build up sustainable speed on this test is by focusing on mastering the questions and becoming the boss of the test. So this idea that you can skip question number six because it's too long, but you're going to make it up on the later questions... <laughs> It's, it's a bit like it's a, it's, I know you don't want to not finish because you think that's giving up, but I think it's giving up to skip or to miss the earlier questions in the section. Yeah. And in my experience, the students who can get comfortable with the fact that they might not finish the section, but that that's okay because they're basically going to get every question right that they attempt those are, the, those are the students who can eventually end up finishing the section with very high accuracy. If you do it the other way around, if you insist on continuing to finish the sections with low accuracy, it's actually impeding your ability to improve on the test. It's impeding your ability to understand the test because you're not going deep enough. What you're doing is you're just sort of bouncing off of the test. You're like skimming the surface of, of some of these questions. And I feel like it's a bit of a shame because you're smart enough that I know you can answer these questions correctly. I mean, you, people don't just, you don't just get 15, 13 out of the, you got 13 out of the first 15 on this section. People don't get 13 out of the first 15 through random luck. I mean, you got 13 out of the first 15 because you know what you're doing. But I would have preferred that you would have sat there and done question number six. Almost guaranteed you would have gotten it right if you would have really given it a full effort. It would not have taken you 15 minutes. It would have taken you maybe five minutes, but not even that probably. It probably would have taken you three or four minutes. And you still would have gotten to attempt some of the questions 18, 19, 20, 21, 
Because what I think, you know, I, in fact, I would, I would almost guarantee that the reason why you're missing all of those harder questions is not that you can't get them. It's kind of that you're not permitting yourself to get them because you're so like insistent on keeping this steady pace. I think people worry way too much about pace. And what they really should be doing is saying, I don't care about pace. I don't care if I finish the section. I can get a 170 without finishing the sections. I can easily get a 160 without finishing the sections. And one of the reasons why I'm stuck at 152 is because I am finishing the sections. So anyway, I'm not trying to lecture you, Ebony, but I, I am trying to just convince you that I really think you could immediately improve on the test by not attempting every question on the test. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, so let's move on. You did great on the reading comprehension. At least you did great on the first two passages on the reading comprehension. And then here, once again, it looks like same thing. You, you did finish this section, but with pretty low accuracy on passages three and passage four. Is that right? Um, no, I didn't do four. Oh, you didn't do four. I'm, I'm looking at your, the, I have the sheet of like your bubble sheet. So you, you didn't do four, but you did, you also didn't bubble in a straight line of answers. You like, you, you skipped around answers. Like Wait, you went. See, let me look. Okay. Oh, what happened was when I got to passage number four, uh -huh. it had five minutes. Okay. It's so like, I mean, I might as well just skim and I know that my accuracy is going to be hell because I didn't really read yeah. it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So you got like half of them right on passage four and, um, here, you know, it, it's like there the pacing that that definitely is a suboptimal pacing because you have five minutes and so you, you don't really have time to read the passage and fully answer the questions. So it's almost like, well, I, I would encourage you to because your accuracy wasn't good on the third passage either. So I would have rather seen you just invest all of your time in passages one, two and three. You did great on passage one and passage. Well, what did you do? You miss. Does the first passage have how many questions? Does the first passage have, Ebony? Um, the first passage has five questions. Okay, and you got all of those right, which is just awesome. The second passage, how many does that have? Questions six through. Oh no, the first question has six questions. The first, first passage has six questions, and you missed number six. Okay, so you got one uh, one wrong in the first passage, which is okay. The next passage then is questions seven through 14, seven through 14. Okay. So uh, what is that? Seven or eight questions. That's eight questions. And you got two of those wrong. So slipping a little bit there, the next passage has one, two, three, four, five, six questions. And there you only got two out of those six, right? So that's where you definitely fell off of the, I don't know, off the wagon. What, what's, uh, what, what happened there? Do you remember how you were feeling during that third passage? It was just the, the, it was science and I didn't know what was going on. Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, have you, have you experimented at all with skipping the science passages? No. Okay. Um, it's something to think about. I don't, I don't really, I, I personally don't think people need to be as afraid of the science passages as most people are, or many people are. 
a lot of pre, a lot of lawyers, you know, they, they did pre-law kinds of majors and they're going to law school because they just are intimidated a little bit by science. They don't want to do anything that's even remotely sciencey. And um, I, I guess I, I would just, in, uh, one piece of encouragement is that you need to realize that the passages that are about science, they really don't require you to have any scientific knowledge whatsoever. So um, when I read these science passages to my class, I like to emphasize the fact that I actually don't understand many of the technical terms that are presented in the passage. Um, I think maybe sometimes people are self-conscious about the science thing and they think like, oh, well, you know, I never took uh, chemistry and biology and that kind of stuff when I was in college because it's really hard. And I, I, uh, so I'm, I'm, you know, I really just don't like science-y kinds of stuff. I'm more of a humanities person. And, um, I guess I'd like to encourage you or just try to convince you that, it, it, that there is really no scientific knowledge or anything like that that's required and that you can comprehend these passages even if you don't know what all of the words are or even if they're presenting a lot of unfamiliar terms. Um, that's not really something that you are required to know in order to answer the questions correctly. That said, I think that right now when you got 16 questions out of 26 correct, you missed 10 questions on the test, on the section, you missed 10 questions on the section. I think you would have done better if you would have skipped one of the passages. Because your accuracy on passage three, you, you said it yourself, you ran out of time on passage four. I don't think that your solution is go faster so that you can do question, uh, so that you can do passage four, because you already had terrible accuracy on passage three. You got one third of the questions correct on passage three. And I, I would have rather seen you invest that last five minutes that you spent on passage four. I would have rather seen you lump that five minutes in with the other three passages and increase your accuracy and get more of those correct. So it's kind of the same message from the logical reasoning, but in the context of reading comprehension, I think it means that you then get to potentially select which passages you're going to do. So in, in this case, when you turn to passage three and it's about science and you don't like science, you could definitely turn the page and just start immediately turn the page and start working on passage four, which was here law and philosophy. And maybe you could have, I'm sure you could have gotten those all right if you would have spent you know, your remaining time on those uh, questions. You would have ended up with a much higher score on the section if you would have done that strategy because you, know, you got four out of the last 11 questions correct. And that's just, you know, that's again, barely better than guessing. Um, does that make sense? I'm, I feel like I'm having a hard time convincing you, Ebony. Oh, no, it's, it's just that I think that some of the things that, uh, not really with this section, but with the logical reasoning, uh -huh. both times that I took the test, when I took the official LSAT, I never finished. And I've never finished a practice test. And it's not something that really bothered me and I felt like it was normal. This is the first time I finished, not because I was freaking out, like I have to finish this. Like, I, I don't feel like that. It's just, I was able to finish because I was able to be more aware 
<laughs> of how much time that I was spending. And as far as the difficult, like me missing the difficult questions, I didn't miss them because I was spending, because I was rushing. I missed them because I'm not familiar with those questions because I never get that far. And when I was reviewing, I would review the questions that I attempted. I didn't review the questions that I guessed on. I, and so when I'm reviewing, and this, this sounds dumb as I repeat it, but when I was reviewing my test, if I didn't attempt the question, I didn't review the question. So the questions that I reviewed were pretty much the easy questions. So I'm thinking, oh, my accuracy is fabulous. I just need to finish. I didn't even know that my accuracy was this poor on difficult questions. When you say you were aware of the time, what do you mean? Um, well, <laughs> one of the issues with like, when you have ADHD is you don't have a very good like internal clock. Like I could have spent like 15 minutes on a question and thought I spent five minutes on a question, like okay. stuff like that. I see, okay. Um, you know, I, I really try to teach my students not to be aware of the time. I would prefer that you completely ignore the time. The time is a real thing, and you can't spend forever on any one question. And I don't really know how to address the ADHD issue about having time you know, dilating and being able to spend 15 minutes without knowing it, you spent 15 minutes. But what I really try to get people to do is ignore the clock. Time yourself, but basically ignore the clock and just focus on answering the questions with certainty. So, um, the fact that you, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, you feel like now you're medicated and it's helping you and you're able to be more aware. And I'm really glad that you still have really good accuracy in the beginning of the sections. Um, but I would, I just think you're, you're not correctly investing your time right now. I, I would, I would prefer that you invest more of the time in each of the questions rather than spreading your time across all of the questions. Um, okay, so that said, you want to talk about games? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because you're not happy with how you did? I'm just, games don't make me happy. They shouldn't call them games. They should call them torture tactics. <laughs> Well, hopefully, hopefully I can convince you otherwise. I, I, uh, I think the games, you know, for me, Ebony, when I studied for the test, the games were the hardest thing for me too. And the games are the hardest thing for most people when they first uh, study for the LSAT. But the games also frequently become people's favorite section. Uh, games are the most learnable section of the test. And the, the, I guess the reason why they are so learnable is because all you really have to do is just practice them a lot. If you just do a lot of games, you definitely will improve on the games. So here, here you were guessing, right? Because I can see that you have a long chain of E's. You guessed E from question 13 through question 23. Yeah. And you got, you got four of those right, amazingly. <laughs> Only finished two games. Okay, that's totally fine. Miss, uh, finishing two games, I have no problem with people who finish two games. Um, your goal right now should be to finish two games, but your goal should be to finish two perfect games. Uh, what you did here was you got one game perfectly correct, and then you got the second game. There were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven questions, and you got 
two of them right. So this was a grouping game. It was like a, one of those where it's like the the game was about a car, and it's like this person's car has power. It can either have three different pe- features, and you have to decide which car has which features. Okay. So three features, and I think like six people's cars. Okay. Um, and you had a hard time with it. Yeah. I mean, did you know you were having a hard time with it, or did you feel like you were doing well, and then just when you look back, you missed all the questions? <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, I knew I was having. I knew it was taking a long time. Like, I knew this was gonna be the last game that I did on the test. It was taking forever, but I didn't know that I was missing every question, though. No. You thought you were doing better than you actually were there. Okay. That's a pretty old test. I guess, did you, were you aware of that, that that's a pretty old test? Yes. Okay. This is from the next 10 actual official LSATs, is that right? I don't know. Okay, well that's the book that people would buy it on, uh, buy it in from from um, the LSAC. So, have you done the more recent tests, Ebony? No. Okay. Is there a reason why you were working on prep test 35 rather than a more recent test? that's the book that I have. That's the book that you have. Okay. So here's one good bit of news. Uh, maybe you're already aware of this, but um, that game that you were doing, that was from, uh, I'm estimating 2002, something like that. And Or no, sorry, two, 2000, something like that. Um, that. That test, those games are almost guaranteed to be way harder than the current logic games actually are. I was expecting joy joy from you, Ebony. <laughs> well, I mean, no, it was like panic because I'm like, I need to study what's on the test, not what used to be on the test. I see. So um, I don't think it's a waste of your time. I think that doing those old tests, uh, doing those old games is perfectly legitimate. Um, but I would encourage you if you, assuming you have limited time for studying, I, I think most of us have limited time for studying because of work and school and whatever else. Um, I would encourage you to go ahead and, and get yourself a book, a more recent book of tests and start working on those tests instead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, because, uh, I thought you were going to keep talking. Huh? I thought you were going to keep talking. That's why. <laughs> um, so you, you, uh, I, I just would like to get, I'm glad that you did this test because now I have like a baseline for you and I can absolutely make some recommendations for, for what you should do to improve from here. But um, if, if you get yourself a, a more recent book of tests, then we will have a little bit more indicative of a result from you. Um, because yeah, the, the test itself, the, or the bulk of the test, I don't think the bulk of the test has changed that much in the, you know, since 2000, but I definitely think that the games have gotten easier. So this is really good news for you. Uh, you did decently well on this. I mean, you nailed that first game totally perfectly and not, not everybody does that, so you should really pat yourself on the back for doing that. And now, in order to make a big improvement, all we really have to do is turn one perfect game into two perfect games. And that's a very, very achievable goal. 
So beyond getting yourself a book of more recent tests, um, my, my new homework for you would be definitely to emphasize games when you're studying. Because games was your weakest section by a decent margin. You got, on logical reasoning, you got 32 total points, 16 on reading comprehension, yeah, and then just 12 on the games. And that was 12 on the games with uh, quite a nice lucky guessing streak at the <laughs> end, right? You got four of your guesses right, so that, that's more than you would expect to have gotten. Um, usually there you would have gotten two of those questions, right? So you... Uh, you have a pretty uh, good weakness in the games. I say good weakness in the games because games is the easiest section to improve on. Um, but I would be doing, I would continue if I were you doing whole tests, but I would also add in additional sections of the logic games. Okay. So here's where what I would like you to do then is get the newest book of tests. That book is the... Um, Volume 5, it's called uh, 10 Actual Official LSATs, Volume 5. It's on Amazon, I think it's like 25 bucks. And that'll give you 10, the, like really the 10 of the most recent tests that you can possibly get. They're really super recent tests. And then for your next practice test, I'd like you to do one of those. Okay. But I would also like you to, um, you know, you've got that book. You, you have that book right there, uh, the, the next 10 Actual Official LSATs, or you have these old tests. Um, I would encourage you to go ahead and just maybe just do the logic games from those old tests. Okay. Because I don't want you to waste them, but um, they are really probably harder than the tests that you're going to see in the 10 uh, volume five book. So work on those old games for practice and then do another um, full test. And then we'll, we'll talk a little bit more. Um, your, and then, and then, of course, on the, any tests that you do do, you need to review your mistakes and think about um, why you're missing the ones you're missing, but particularly the questions in the first 10. So now I want to go uh, off air, Ebony, so that we can talk about a couple of these questions. Okay. And uh, hopefully the listeners will pick us up again sometime soon. Okay.